Well, hello everyone. This is it. This is the very first time you're hearing my voice on this podcast. Uh, my name is Niall and this is very new. Um, to give you a wee bit of background and also to point out this is not actually the podcast. This is the podcast intro. There'll be a little sound effect that'll denote when the professionalism kicks in. Because right now I'm looking at uh, an empty tub of peanut butter that I've eaten in the last 24 hours and I I've genuinely made myself feel a little bit ill and repulsed right there. Um, but yeah, the, the idea behind this podcast, a lot of people um, in a similar position to myself have had a lot of time in their hands, so I've tried to do something with my pent-up energy. Um, used to playing lots of bands, and I did that for the last 10 years, and following on from that, I've fallen into working in and around the uh, topic of space and astronomy. So I thought I'd try and get the best of both worlds and put together uh, a show about um, some of the things I find interesting uh, about space. And really, this is a, a test. Um, this is me using this project to, to teach myself something new, to teach myself some audio production, um, how to structure a show, and uh, hopefully getting some stories that are factually accurate yet entertaining, some infotainment, if you will. And yes, I can hear you cringe through the radio there. Um, yeah, I'd love some feedback if you have any opinions on how this sounds or how you'd like this to go. You can get me um, at Squiggles Cult, or one word, on all the social media platforms, or email me, squigglescult at gmail.com. Um, any feedback at all would be lovely, um, especially if it's vitriolic and aggressive. That's my favorite. Um, but really, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to listen, and please remember that you are a squiggle. And together, we are Squiggles. And please, enjoy the show. Animals in space, I sure hope no one gets hurt. Animals in space, I sure hope no one gets hurt. If I asked you what was the first animal in space, you might say, Laika the dog. But the first animal in space was actually a tiny fruit fly. Or should I say, hundreds of fruit flies that visited space together in 1947. Instead, Laika was the first animal to go into orbit around our planet, doing so in 1957, ten years after the first fruit fly. It started with a fly, but it certainly doesn't end with a dog. Oh, the humanity. The first human to go into space was Yuri Gagarin, a cosmonaut from the Soviet Union. He became the first man in space and the first man to orbit the planet on April 12th, 1961, on board Vostok 1. The first woman in space? Her name, Valentina Tereshkova, again from the Soviet Union. She launched two years after Yuri on June 16th, 1963, and was the first woman in space orbiting the Earth 48 times on Vostok 6. But aren't you just tired of people? I'd like to talk to you about some of the animals that reached space first, paving the way for the likes of Yuri and Valentina. But before we can reach space, we need to work out where it is. How far up do we need to go to leave our planet? The boundary between ourselves and space is actually an imaginary line called the Kármán line, 
around 100 kilometers above our heads. It means if you launch above 100 kilometers, you can say that you've made it to space. Between 160 and 1,000 kilometers is called low Earth orbit. That's the lowest you can be and still maintain an orbit around the planet. Any lower, and you fall back down to Earth. To try and give some context, the International Space Station orbits around 400 kilometers above our heads, while the average large passenger plane only reaches a maximum altitude of around 12 kilometers. So now we have our boundaries of space, 100 kilometers, and of low Earth orbit, above 160 kilometers, we need to work out how to get there. So much happened between fruit flies in 1947 and Valentina Tereshkova in 1963. So if you're ready, hold your pets and loved ones tight. I have a feeling a lot of animals and people are going to lose their lives. And it starts with fruit flies. Time flies when you're a fruit fly in space. The first animal in space was the humble fruit fly. February 20th, 1947, America launches a V-2 rocket from New Mexico, putting the first animals into space. The V-2 rocket came from Nazi Germany. The V stood for Vergeltungswaffen, or retaliatory weapon. In the aftermath of World War II, the Americans and Russians scrambled to gain this rocket technology. This V-2 rocket which killed thousands in the Second World War, built by prisoners at concentration camps in Germany, whose designers killed an estimated 20,000 prisoners in its construction, now is being used by America to send fruit flies 100 kilometers into the sky. Fruit flies on Nazi rockets. Oh, the humanity. Buzz, 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 buzz. Not only were they the first animals in space, they were the first to return alive as well. The choice of fruit flies wasn't random. Around 75% of the genes that cause disease in humans are also found in the fruit fly. They only live for around 40 days, which means it's easy to study results over multiple generations. They are also very small, on average around 3 millimeters in length which means scientists can store large numbers in small spaces. When the capsule landed safely back on Earth, America saw that the cosmic radiation had not caused mutation, and suddenly the race to space was on. We now knew you could survive in space. But that could doesn't mean that you would. Future animals sent to space wouldn't be quite so lucky. Oh dear. I think there's a monkey in that rocket Going to space, a little monkey Going to space, I hope nothing, nothing goes wrong In order to try and see what would happen to a human body, America decided to shift to a more human-like animal. They started putting monkeys in space, and they got obsessed with calling them all Albert. The story of the Alberts start predictably with Albert I. In 1948, one year after fruit fly success, Albert I suffocates inside his capsule before it even launches. Of course, they still decide to launch anyway, 
and are disappointed to see it only reaches a height of 63 kilometers. In 1949, they double down in earnest, and the first monkey to reach space is Albert II, who reaches 134 kilometers on June 14, 1949. Albert II was carried aboard a V2 rocket as well, though his fate was not as lucky as the fruit flies. A problem with the parachute on the recovery capsule means Albert II does not survive the landing. September 1949, and Albert III dies after only traveling 10 kilometers up when his V2 rocket suddenly explodes. December 1949, and Albert IV reaches space at 130 kilometers, but dies on impact after another parachute failure. That's three Alberts in a single year. Time to slow down. Two years pass. It's 1951, and they have learned their lessons. As Albert V, oh no wait, nothing has changed in two years. Albert V dies on impact due to, yes, you've guessed it, yet another parachute failure. At this point, they begin to think, maybe a name change would help. Enter a monkey called Yorick. However, it should be noted here that old habits die hard, so Yorick was also known as Albert VI. Yorick, or Albert VI, launches on September 20th, 1951, and amazingly becomes the first monkey to survive a landing. This success needs to be kept in context, though, as Yorick, or Albert VI, dies just two hours after landing due to overheating as he sits inside his cramped capsule in the New Mexico sun whilst waiting for his recovery crew to arrive. It's almost like at this point they just didn't think it would work. What constitutes a success can often be very dubious. So let's recap Albert's 1 through 6. 1. Suffocated before takeoff. 2. Made it to space, died on impact when parachute failed. 3. Rocket exploded. 4. Made it to space, died on impact when parachute failed. 5. Made it to space, died on impact when parachute failed. 6. Made it to space, survived landing, yay! Died on Earth while waiting for recovery crew. A brief fast forward takes me to my last mention of monkeys in space. Seven years after Albert VI, America sends a squirrel monkey called Gordo a whopping 960 kilometers into space. It shows that humans can survive weightlessness. It is considered a complete success. Even the capsule returns to Earth safely, and it is still considered a success when the flotation mechanism fails after Gordo successfully lands in the Atlantic Ocean. After six hours, they call the search off. Today, there still may be a capsule with a deceased squirrel monkey from space on the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. Oh, the humanity. If the Terminator worked in reception and a mouse and some friends came to visit, he might tell his boss, hey boss, there's mice to meet you. America also liked to use mice, again with varying results. A notable effort came in 1959, when they tried to send four mice into space on board a spy satellite. On their first attempt to launch, in order to protect the mice, they were placed in a cage covered in a material called Krylon, which was intended to protect them from the cage's sharp edges. The mice ate the Krylon cage covering, 
and it was then discovered that the material was in fact toxic and the mice died. On their second attempt to launch, the mice were successfully placed in the capsule and surrounded by sensors so the team could measure their vital signs. But before launch, one of the humidity sensors had a reading of 100%, resulting in the launch being cancelled again. In checking, they realised that the humidity sensor had been placed directly below the mouse cage, and they found the sensor was covered in mouse wee. After a very deep clean and a repositioning of sensors, it was time for third launch lucky. Well, almost. On their third attempt, the mission did indeed launch, but when the next stage of the rocket fired, it fired in the opposite direction than intended. Instead of racing towards space, this resulted in driving the capsule directly into the Pacific Ocean. This ended their attempts at putting mice inside spy satellites. How much is that doggy in the spaceship? At the same time America were using monkeys, the Soviet Union favoured dogs. Female dogs were chosen because they were smaller and thought to be more docile. And so stray female dogs were rounded up from the streets of Moscow. They were tested and trained for obedience and passivity, put in small pressurised containers for days at a time, and checked to see their reactions to loud noises. Just as America was coming to the end of their Albert programme, two dogs called Zygen and Desik reached an altitude of 110 kilometers on August 15, 1951, becoming the first dogs to achieve spaceflight. And this included a safe return to Earth. But don't get your hopes up, though. This doesn't mean the Soviet Union were much better than America, as Desik was rewarded with another trip to space just one month later, this time with a dog called Lisa. And this second trip, as you might have guessed by now, had a parachute malfunction and both dogs died on impact. A further flight a month later in September 1951 was nearly cancelled when the dog called Bobik escaped and had to be replaced at short notice by an untrained stray. They called this new dog Zib or Z-I-B, a Russian acronym for Zamina Ishivnushimu Bubiku, which heartwarmingly translates as Substitute for the missing dog, Bobik. What an imagination. And these dog missions all lead to Laika, the first dog and the first being to go into orbit. On October 4th, 1957, the Soviet Union launches Sputnik 1. It's the first human-made object to achieve a low Earth orbit. To capitalise on this success, they rushed to get the first living being in orbit. On November 3rd, 1957, a mere month later, Laika launches inside Sputnik 2 and makes history. Laika was originally called Kudryavka, or Little Curly. When she was introduced to the public via radio, Kudryavka barked and became known as Laika, or Barker in Russian. Doctors performed surgery, embedding medical devices inside her body to monitor her heart, breathing rates, blood pressure, and physical movement. This was a one-way trip. There was never any intention to bring Laika back alive. The plan was, 
After seven days in orbit, her air supply would run low and she would die painlessly from oxygen deprivation. It took 45 years for the truth about Laika's journey to be revealed. In 2002, at the World Space Congress in Houston, Texas, Dmitry Malashenkov, one of the scientists involved with Sputnik 2, finally revealed the medical readouts from Laika's launch. Instead of living for seven days, the truth was that she had died just five hours into the journey due to overheating and stress. The noises and pressures of the flight terrified Laika. Her heartbeat rocketed to triple the normal rate, and her breath rate quadrupled. The National Air and Space Museum in Washington holds declassified printouts showing Laika's respiration during the flight. She reached orbit alive, circled the Earth in about 103 minutes. Unfortunately, the loss of the heat shield made the temperature in the capsule rise unexpectedly, taking its toll. She died soon after launch. Sputnik 2 continued to orbit for five more months. Laika travelled lifeless for five months, orbiting the Earth over 2,500 times, before finally burning up while re-entering Earth's atmosphere on April 14th, 1958. Laika has a memorial in Russia, unveiled in 2008 at the Institute of Military Medicine in Moscow. Oh, the humanity. Let's try to lighten the mood. A lot of dark stuff has happened. Let's try to lighten the mood. Oh, wait, you're holding a cat. I hope you're not going to do what I think you're going to do with that. Oh, no. The Americans focused on monkeys. The Russians on dogs and France, well... France decided to send a cat into space. Yuri Gagarin and Valentina Tereshkova had already made it to space and orbited the planet by this point. But on October 18th, 1963, an imaginatively named cat called C-341 was launched by France on the also imaginatively titled Rocket Number 47 from a base in the Sahara Desert reaching an altitude of about 160 kilometers above the Earth. The trip was brief, just 15 minutes in total. The capsule that contained the cat detached from its rocket and parachuted safely back to the ground. To celebrate her survival, the French media wanted to give her something. She was finally given a real name, Felicette. Ah, hooray, finally, a good solid success. Oh no, wait. Of course, there can be no happy ending. Two months after Felicette's return, she was quietly euthanized so the scientific team could study her brain. A crowdfunding campaign in 2017 means the extraterrestrial achievements of Felicette are commemorated in the form of a bronze statue at the International Space University in Strasbourg, France. How many different animals can go into space before it gets weird. There are so many animals that have been sent into space. Apart from the ones we've mentioned already, there have been frogs, toads, worms, rabbits, rats, chimpanzees, guinea pigs, yes, actual guinea pigs have been used as actual space guinea pigs, turtles, spiders, fish, 
jellyfish. Yes, we have sent actual jellyfish into space and the adorably named water bears, also known as tardigrades. Space is beautiful, fascinating, and there is so much we don't know about what is out there. What we do know is there has been so much suffering behind our space exploration. Our experience with space should be joyful. In the future, I, I truly hope we can do better. I, for one, would happily take an animal's place to visit space, although I would want to double-check the parachute before I left. So as we come towards a close, perhaps think about naming your cat C341, calling your new dog a substitute for your old dog, or maybe even rename your child Albert Six. But until then, give your loved ones and pets a big hug from me. Animals in space, I sure hope no one gets hurt. Animals in space, I sure hope no one gets hurt. Congratulations! You've made it to the end of the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for sticking with it. And again, if you've got any thoughts or ideas and you'd like to get in contact, squigglescult at gmail.com or squigglescult on all the social media platforms. It'd be lovely to hear from you. But apart from that, have a lovely rest of your day. I'm looking out of my window and it is lashing it down here in Glasgow. Um, so I'm going to go out and get sodden, soggy and uh, enjoy that feeling. So... Uh, Goodbye, everyone, and have a lovely day.